Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Welcome. We are live here with Jen Scottney, who is an ultra runner extraordinaire and a coach. Um, she um, came a second lady in the Northern Traverse 2018 and third lady in the Spine Challenger 2018. So we're here tonight to talk to Jen mainly about the Northern Traverse, um, uh, her training, kit, food, uh, hallucinations, uh, things like that. Um, um, so thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? It's lovely to see you. Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Cool. Fantastic. Um, so we've got lots of questions tonight from patrons, who are the people who um, are loyal supporters of the, challenge, um, of the channel. So um, we will be asking you some of those in a moment. But first of all, I just wanted to set the scene for people. Um, so can you tell us how you got into this whole long-distance running malarkey? <laughs> I can try. <laughs> I, yeah, I was, I think I was, I was kind of fairly new to it, or I definitely was at the time of Northern Traverse. Um, I grew up in the Peak District. Um, my dad was a fell runner. Um, my mum mostly did kind of road half marathons and things. Um, and my dad did some road marathons. I always maybe once a year <laughs> and then never again and that claims he's never going to do one again and do it yeah so kind of running and sporty um football particularly was like a big part of growing up but I think like a lot of people I kind of lost it when I went to uni and <laughs> yeah. I did keep up mountain biking I did play football for all my years at uni um but once I started working in London I just got really unfit um and yeah, drank too much. Because <laughs> did, did you train to be a? You were a human rights lawyer until quite recently, weren't yeah, you? So yeah. is that what you were training for in London? 
No, I did. I did my postgraduate qualifications in well in Leeds and Manchester, and then yeah, after I was called to the bar, I went to London. Um, and so for like a decade, I was in a very unhealthy wilderness. Really. Yeah, Jen's but got neither wilderness then, years. Yeah, <laughs> there's not much running involved apart from actually most Christmases. Yeah, I went back to my parents in the Peak District and did this one run, oh. which. <laughs> In my head, I thought it was about six miles because this is before any watches or GPS or anything like that. I then did that run and it's like less than three miles. It's not even that long. Oh, <laughs> wow. So this is even more interesting then. How did you get into the really long stuff? Because I mean, the Spine Challenge is like 105 miles. The Northern Traverse is 190 <laughs> miles. How on earth did you go from like barely three miles to, to these incredible multi-dayers with no sleep? I kind of just jumped in. I just thought, I suppose like 90% of you thinks I can't possibly do that. But there's that tiny little 10% that says, you might. <laughs> So I started getting fitter. Um, once sort of, I got to my 30s, I'd moved back to the Peak District. Wasn't working in an office, I was working from home and self-employed. So I kind of had it on my doorstep. I still didn't get out much because I was just working so many hours. So. Yeah, like 80 hour weeks. Didn't we do an interview a few years ago where oh, you were oh. training for the spine and you were just saying, yeah, 80 hour week and yeah. then just so for running. Years, <laughs> I was doing that many hours oh, a week. Wow. <laughs> and quite often not taking the weekend off. So I'd just sit on my desk and just go all the way through. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, it wasn't healthy and I knew it wasn't healthy and I knew it wasn't really what I wanted because by then I was living in such a gorgeous place and just looking at it out my window from my desk. So I got a dog. <laughs> Sherlock. Sherlock the Beagle, yeah, <laughs> who features quite a lot on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Does have more Instagram followers than mine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, that got me out. It forced me to take breaks. and. It also coincided with a time when um, my dad died and then a few months later my brother died. Oh. And it kind of having those massive life events happen, it really does force you to sort of change, like look at your life. Things aren't quite the same or you don't really have the same outlook. And for me, it was it was a positive change in the end because it kind of made me face up to, I don't want to be <laughs> at my desk doing nothing yeah. like working life there's more to life than that yeah um so by that point I was having like I'd take maybe two weeks off a year and I go to either Scotland or the Lake District so I was doing the big mountain walks and then I started just tiny little runs like I was literally just running a hundred meters on a dog walk oh. but gradually I built that up I didn't have any running kit I was doing it in just my walking shoes and <laughs> Yeah, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. And it kind of just really helped mentally as well as physically of just getting fit, but also just giving me time to get some space away from my desk, away from work, away from my phone, email, everything. And that's really how I got into it. I started doing a few of the local fell races and then suddenly kind of heard more about these ultra marathons. So I actually went from probably I'd done like a, I'd done a seven mile fell race 
and then I just did a 30 mile ultra. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but you had that sort of background of the long distance hiking behind you, so presumably you sort of, yeah, that was a bit of training. Yeah. Like, you have that base as being quite fit and sporty as a child, so to be honest, it didn't take me long to really get that back. Um, and yeah, I'm quite happy going out for big days. I can read maps and navigate, and I've done that since I was young, so. It wasn't, it didn't seem a massive step. It was just that kind of the distance in your head. Yeah. And I think because of my parents, I'd never seen them run more than a marathon. I think I kind of got in my head that humans couldn't run more than a marathon. Yeah. (laughs) That was like the limit, this 26.2 miles. Yeah. (laughs) I think pretty much until the year 2000, most people thought that, didn't they? (laughs) It's really taken off this ultra thing, hasn't it? Well, there's tons of people watching just now, Jen, so I just want to give you a little flavour of who is here tonight, um, uh, tuning in for you. Um, so, uh, first of all, we have a, we have a fan comment um, from Guy Greater X, um, who has written, um, uh, he, I put that you were coming on, and he said, amazing, she is so infectious with that personality and laugh, and she is also so badass on the trails. Um, so that's a little bit of a fan comment for you there. Oh. I know Guy's watching just now as well, so um, hello to you Guy, thank you for that. Um, and then Philip Haddock is watching from a very wet tent in the lakes. <laughs> um, Nigel Barnett says hi, John Gardner says hi, um, John Airy says he's just back from the Toby Carvier in time, he's got his priorities right. Um, <laughs> Sue Marsh must be in a different place because she says morning everybody. Um, and Abby says, hi, Jen and Claire, big fan of all the Scotneys and all your various adventuring. Um, oh, that includes Sherlock then. <laughs> yeah, presumably she's heard about Sherlock the Beagle, who's got more Instagram followers than Jen's husband, Marcus, <laughs> which he's not happy about. Um, Graham Brand says, evening all. Um, Hannah Baisley, who has a question coming up later, um, evening all, she's uh, she's around and then she's going out for pizza. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and oh. Guy says hi as well so we've got tons of people watching tons of people commenting there might be a few live questions um but before we get into your training for the northern traverse which is what we're here to talk about tonight i just wanted to just quickly cover the the first race the first biggie that you did which was the spine race in 2018 where you came third lady uh, amazing yeah. <laughs> congrats um because i wanted to just show everybody this horrendous picture um, sorry if anyone's eating dinner just now, but this is what Jen's yeah, feet look like. Back from the At the end of the spine race, the, this is what Jen's feet looked like. So, um, uh, yeah, so with that in mind, like, why on earth did you think, oh, yes, long distance, this is the thing for me. I'll go and do 190 miles next in the Northern Traverse. <laughs> well, I had already entered Northern Traverse, so okay. maybe that was a factor. <laughs> yeah. And there is, actually, although the feet are awful as well, what what was worse in that picture was that I was missing a front tooth from that oh, race as well. Yes, because you bit into the cliff bar and you broke yeah. the tooth off. Yes. Yeah, it was a false tooth because from my mountain biking, as younger, I had false front teeth because I got over my handlebars. So, yeah, that was an expensive cliff bar. <laughs> yes, an expensive so, cliff bar. Yeah, I kind of, I so I'd already like up until I would say that kind of summer before the spine race, so up till kind of August, um, 
2017, wasn't it? I kind of, I had done quite a lot of ultras, but I never really trained. I hadn't really put my mind to it. It was still just that I'll run when I can, when I feel like it. And it was very erratic. So some weeks yeah, I was doing 50 miles, but then next week I'd just be working the whole way through and managed to get out for one run. So I was doing the ultras kind of just completely for fun, really enjoying it but they kind of hurt as well. And then I I think the last race I did before that might have been a 12 hour one. So I'd kind of gone up to 50, 60 miles. Um, and yeah, I'd actually had a place in the spine challenge the, the, for the year before, but I tore my meniscus um, running with Sherlock really, it was throwing out my gate. So I kind of was ready to do it, <laughs> but I kind of didn't really know what it was like to go that far or go through a night. It just seemed a massive unknown. And it was really Montaigne that supported me. Um, we're like, oh, great, can we have your training vlog? So I was just like, okay, hmm, better do some training. So that's honestly <laughs> why I started training. Really? Oh, brilliant. And obviously by that, Marcus was a very established coach, so could help me. And but he didn't do any schedules I'm not very good at following a schedule I shouldn't say that because all my clients are so good at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it's just do what I say not what I do isn't it <laughs> yeah um, but I kind of threw myself into training and I loved it I did some really great records some runs I kind of just for the first time I put my running ahead of my work, mm. which was was quite stressful <laughs> coming up to the race. I regretted that when I was trying to get through this backlog. But I, um, yeah, I had a really good few months training. Um, but I had entered Northern Traverse at that point, but I'd entered it thinking, well, I could still get my money back. <laughs> I could still cancel it all. Um, I didn't tell Marcus I'd entered. <laughs> Um, and I kind of just thought, well, let's just see how the spine challenger goes. But um, yeah, I think with my training, despite obviously the feet, that was a bit of a, a rookie error. But apart from the feet, I had a brilliant time. Still oh. with the feet, I had a brilliant time. I loved it. I loved going through a night. I didn't, um, I didn't, I was just, just really happy. <laughs> like I was expecting these really low points that people talk about, but I just, I just had a great time and um, a few hallucinations at, hallucinations at the end just to kind of spice it up as you're about to finish <laughs> and dodging snakes on the road and things like that um, and yeah I was actually quite surprised to finish as high up as I did because it was just such an unknown yeah so I had a really good race yeah well it looks like you had a good time but your feet did not because they look like <laughs> They look like spongy parchment with like rivers in. Oh, and they've we've got they some comments. <laughs> yeah, we've got some comments. Guy, those feet look 300 years old. Um, John Gardner says, wet feet are the worst. Those are seriously wet. And then Paul Hamilton, who's just been able to join us, he says, oh my God, are they feet? Um, and John Airy says, that is proof that skin is not waterproof. It really absorbs water rather well. Hmm. Well, yeah, I can say that they haven't been as bad in any other races. And the reason why they were so bad was because obviously I live not far from the Pennine Way, um, the start of it down in the Peak District. And so 
I was doing a lot of my training runs over Kinder, Bleaklow, all these really wet, boggy places. And it was a really harsh winter. This was the winter when we had the beast from the east later on. Oh, yeah. So I was spending a lot of time with my feet in slushy bogs. <laughs> and as my little bit of comfort in all those training runs, I was wearing these neoprene socks, which are kind of the the club my my fell running club it was like their little recommendation that people were saying um and they were absolutely great on training runs but my training runs were only up to kind of about 30 miles I think I hadn't worn them past that so it yeah so everything was great for 30 miles I can vouch for that in fact they were great up until about 50 miles but after that um I think just the combination of my feet being in neoprene socks <laughs> and it actually wasn't that wet. On, oh. That was like a really good year for the weather on the Pennine Way. Like everything had dried out in a few weeks around Christmas. Um, so I didn't need them anyway. Yeah. And yeah, so that was a mistake. Don't bother wearing the socks. <laughs> yeah, I must admit though, I did a lot of my training for Cape Bath Ultra in waterproof socks with shoe, with um, these shoes on, um, non-waterproof shoes. And then when I got to the race, I wore exactly the same pair of shoes, exactly the same pair of socks. And I was really surprised I got a blister, a meet, like almost yeah. immediately, um, maybe because my feet were swelling or something. But yeah, I, I just changed to not waterproof socks in the end because it was like easier to just have wet feet and then dry feet, wet feet, dry feet. Whereas the waterproof socks, they kind of, keep your feet sweaty and wet don't they yeah for long the long stuff yeah. yeah and the other thing so it was again it was like my first hundred miler um I'd thrown some things in a drop bag the night before it hadn't included any spare socks oh. any, uh, I just didn't even think about that because I never I'd had a few blisters maybe on ultras I'd lost a couple of toenails on ultras but I never had blisters like that yeah um and I'd never yeah, to gone that far. So I also, there is on the kit list for the challenger, you're supposed to take a spare pair of socks, but it doesn't say running socks. And I was just getting my kit as light as possible. <laughs> so I had this like really silky pair of socks. Oh no, <laughs> at least they were yeah, a pair of Barbie socks or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, um, I learned then that light isn't always the best because I had nothing... I, I had nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I got like 60 miles and I was coming down from like top around Top Withens. And I thought, well, that feels like a blister popping in between my toes. That doesn't. But then you kind of, your mind's like, oh, I'll be fine. You're just imagining it. But I clearly wasn't like within a few miles. It was just like walking on hot coals. Oh, and... I, I know the feeling. It's so horrible. <laughs> I don't know how you then coped for another 40 miles. I would, that just would have been in me at no, done. <laughs> Not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hurt. And I think and I did get overtaken by somebody then, so that was a bit disappointing. Oh. But there was kind of nothing. I couldn't go any quicker yeah. on feet. And um Yeah, so I learned yes. that one. So you learned and you did the the uh the Northern Traverse, which presumably was only a few months after the spine. So um, yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your training because we've got a couple of questions around strength and yoga from Hannah and Arlene. But could you just sort of sum up in a nutshell, like what you were doing each week to sort of get ready for such yeah. a long race? Because you can't run like 100 miles one weekend as training, can you? No, although for Northern Traverse, like I wouldn't normally do any long back-to-back -back runs deliberately. But for Northern Traverse, I did recce the route um, because 
is quite far from where I live. I did do the route in three blocks. So that was kind of different to the spine challenger training, say, where I'd just do one long run and then a week. Um, so I was doing, like me and my friend went up, I can't remember, maybe around March time, and we did the whole lake section, staying in youth hostels, and then I did the middle bit on my own. So um, there were some weeks where I was doing that, but generally, um, if I wasn't wrecking, it would just be my kind of just getting the volume in. Um, so I'd quite often run twice a day, that fitted in with my work. Um, I definitely do that a few times a week. I also was doing hill reps on a Saturday and then my long run on a Sunday. And so for this type of long run, like 190 miles, when you say hill reps, were you doing like eight times 60 seconds or were you doing like longer longer ones at less no, of a... Um, I was doing, I think I was probably doing about 10 reps of one minute. Ah, um, yeah. I think. So nothing massive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm and, generally doing that. And did you aim for a sort of a certain mileage per week and a sort of certain level of ascent as well? Ascent I wasn't actually too bothered about, but I think that's just because I get it anyway in the Peak District. So I wasn't searching out um, particularly long runs, but they were happening <laughs> like in terms of a high ascent, I mean. Yeah. Um, I would say say that I generally I was doing between like my recovery weeks were about 50 mile weeks and then I was doing about 70 I might have done an 80 mile week but that was probably more because I was wrecking rather than I needed to hit that mileage um so yeah high volume yeah and what what do you reckon the vert was in all of that would it be like a per week would it be like three thousand meters maybe or four thousand uh, meters? i think just generally i'd be doing about ten thousand a week oh, because wow. even just my little five six mile loop is a thousand feet um, oh okay <laughs> oh, oh ten thousand feet this little river loop of the yeah so ten thousand feet mostly. not meters yeah sorry yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm about yeah, three thousand meters. So it probably is about three thousand meters. Yeah. You say meters. Yeah. 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 Sorry. I'm I'm like really weird. I work in miles and meters, which is really strange. <laughs> I can't do kilometers and I can't do feet for a sense. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. So that sounds good. And was it difficult to motivate yourself to get out for these runs, um, or did you find yourself always wanting to go? Yeah, I'm. I never struggle with motivation. Like I just love where I live. I love running, and it was really giving me a break from work. Like looking back, it sounds really unhealthy, and it, I think you know I don't work in that job anymore, and I don't think it was particularly sustainable. But my running was my time off work. I didn't have any holidays during that time, and um, like after the Spine Challenger, even though I had teeth missing. The next day I was at work doing a parole board hearing, <laughs> like oh. shuffling around and trying to take painkillers before I went in because I couldn't take them in the prison and things. So oh. yeah, work was really full on. And I remember almost missing the whole recce of the middle section because I just thought I can't leave this amount of work. But for me, like although it's quite stressful, once I actually get out on the hills, I'm not really thinking about work. So it was my time off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't have any problem. And I think also when you've got such a big goal, um, 
I, that really helped just keep it focused <laughs> yes most definitely um yeah that's great and then I've heard you talk a little bit about strength um in other interviews and, and Hannah has a question actually about that um she wanted to know what strength exercises that you do um she says uh is there a set of exercises that Jen would recommend um yes there is yeah yeah wonderful and we've actually managed to put them out there because I kept mentioning them and, and I'd be like yeah we'll do a video but Marcus actually has done a video so if you go to Marcus Scotney's YouTube channel um it's probably one of the most recent videos um and it will that's exactly the routine that I did all the way through my training um so it takes like less than 10 minutes it's just every day I'm doing single leg raises bridge side leg raises clams um and it made such a difference once I started training and particularly upping the miles. I just found that I didn't need painkillers on long runs. I kind of taken it as part and parcel of that's part of the ultras. You have your paracetamol every <laughs> when you're eating. Yeah. I don't, I took a couple of painkillers. I lost my painkillers. Um, but then I did take some on Northern Traverse for this kind of my ankles tender when I set off on the second day. But otherwise, I don't remember taking many painkillers. I could, it was that. I just felt that strong in my legs, um, particularly like in my hip flexors as well. Um, so yeah, I yeah. definitely recommend that, and I give it to my coaching clients as well. Yeah, oh, that's it. fantastic. Well, <laughs> I will, yeah, I will find that, and not only will I do it, but I will put a link to it in the show notes. If you if you're listening to this on the podcast, it will be in the show notes, and if you're watching this on YouTube, it will be in the little YouTube description. So I'll put a link to that there. So everybody can, can find Marcus and Jen's strength routine. Less than 10 minutes, that's great. Because I used to think, right, you've got to do 30 to, nine, 30 to 60 minutes once a week. But if you've just got to do 10 minutes per day, it makes it loads yeah. more easier to fit into the day, doesn't it? Yeah, so, and it's more effective. Yeah, so that's great. Thank you for that. And then we've got a question about yoga as well. Because obviously you've just been training to be a yoga coach. So... Um, Arlene says, um, does, how does Jen fit the yoga into her running schedule? Is it like a warm-up or is it a cool-down or is it like a, a rest day type activity? Um, yeah, I think I generally, for me, yoga was either first thing in the morning or last thing at night, um, really. Um, and I kind of use, so I'll do yin yoga, which I think really complements my running and that's a very slow um, yoga where I'm holding the poses for quite a long period of time. So that always was good, um, especially um, I used to go to a class kind of on a weekend that was um, fitted in after my long run. So I'd do that. But then, yeah, I find that yoga really helps because I was spending all that time sat at my desk or in my car driving to prisons or running forward and you're just really always going in the same direction and so to kind of twist it up and move it was just so great for me and it still still is a massive part of my life mm. um so it was kind of really complimenting the running but it, no I wouldn't do it like immediately before or after a run yeah but yeah so I kind of had them quite separate yes uh-huh yeah it's it's nice isn't it I always think oh yeah I should do more yoga and then I just I just don't prioritize it because it's slow and it's not actual running but yeah as a nice before bed thing I think it would be really nice there 
Um, and Hannah is watching, actually, um, who asked you about the strength. And she said, great, that sounds really helpful and manageable. So you've helped at least one person out there, um, which is fantastic. Thank you. Um, and yeah, you sent a really nice picture of your kit for the Northern Traverse. So <laughs> it would be really cool to go through the kit. So uh, I've put the kit on half the page here. So I'm going to just jiggery pokery around with the screen a sec so that we're on. Okay, here we go. So we've got the kit on one side of the screen here. Um, yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of Montane kit because you're sponsored, you were sponsored by them and still are I believe yeah yeah so yeah do you want to just take us through a few of your essentials for Northern Traverse yeah. so I think kit is quite tricky on Northern Traverse when I did it it was in May but it's been moved even earlier so the forecast was good for my race it kind of gets to the point where you're starting a race, you don't know what day you're going to finish and you're looking at this weather forecast like across the whole country and I kind of just looked at the lakes and kind of gave up because I couldn't, I wasn't really sure where or what I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah. What I found the problem, well not the problem was, but the tricky thing was, was it was really warm when we set off but you're going to go through, I went through like three night times where it was getting very cold. Um, you do have drop bags which are roughly about every 40 miles but because how stretched out the race is, you'll you give them two drop bags, so you'll get kind of the first bag and then the second bag and then the first bag again and then the second bag. So again, that causes a little bit of a headache because you have to kind of make sure that you you pick kit out of one. If you put it in the other, you won't see that for the next one. Yeah, that's really hard. You'd want just one big one to go to everywhere, wouldn't you, just in case? It makes it easier if you do have that. Yeah. So. Um, I like the kit list wasn't when I the year I did it it wasn't particularly long it's not like the spine challenger where you got a ridiculous amount of kit and you you know you're not going to use 90% of it um so it was fairly straightforward and I was definitely I think carrying more layers because I knew it was going to get cold at night I think um I managed to get it all in a 10 litre pack um, and the only time though that that I couldn't then fit all my kit in was when I picked up quite a lot of layers on the last checkpoint because I was leaving at about I think it was about three or four in the morning maybe about four in the morning so it's frosty that night so I to get me out of the tent and get out onto the last leg I put on loads of layers and then it just really warmed up so by the time I was finishing I had like stuff <laughs> kind of like something around my waist so yeah. like loads of layers that I'd had to strip off yeah. so that was the only time when the bag wasn't big enough but otherwise the 10 litre pack was fine um, I wore again like I went for three quarter tights which were great because I found like yes I was a bit hot in the daytime but I was warm enough at night and I didn't have to change because that was the other thing like if you put tights on and what you're gonna have to take them off like just I just thought right just stick with those I got a really ridiculous tan line <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like between my socks and the under my knee right? yeah like a calf guard <laughs> tan line yeah um I think the only thing that I had forgotten to take to the start which I would have taken 
for my kit was gaiters because I tend to wear the trail gaiters at Montaigne Dew because they just help keep the rocks and bits of dirt out. So that was one thing that I'd forgotten. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I remember like I did start in a little kind of windproof and then that within two seconds I was really hot so I had to take that off. Quite a bit of kit faffing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least like, fine, you kind of know it's sort of cold and you might have to yeah. put another layer on. You've got all your kit in your bag, like you yeah. just don't have this extra faff. Um, so yeah, I think clothes-wise, it's that's the tricky bit. Keeping warm at night, yeah. but not the variation. And was there like, is there like one or two bits of kit which you were like, oh, thank goodness I had this that worked in this way, like, you know, like an absolute essential. Yeah, I've I've got them here. Oh, how exciting! <laughs> so the poles that I use, they're not my lightest poles, but they're my sturdiest. Oh, so these are the Mountain King Trailblazer poles. Oh yeah, I've used them before. And before, in I only ever use poles in the ones that are over 100 miles and for the spine challenger I usually pick them up halfway and I find that when I am kind of fresh and running kind of poles slow me down and I like them when I'm tired but because I like because in Northern Traverse the hills are all like you have to go through the Lake District to start with yeah <laughs> I decided to start with them and kind of hope that I would then keep running on the flat the descents and they wouldn't slow me down and I don't think they did so I definitely was glad that I hadn't put them in a drop bag that I had them from the start yes yeah um, because you've got you have got some tough climbs in the Lake District yeah and let just hold them up a sec like if you just put pull the top of your screen down a little bit like that then um you can see they're a bit blurry oh yes oh. so I've got some like that too <laughs> they're a bit blurry yeah, still. And I did actually, oh, there they are. I think, they're super light, aren't they? They're like 200 yeah, grams for the pair. One. But I did notice that even by Patterdale, the couple of the guys that were on the race had lost their poles due to them snapping. Oh, gosh, really? So, yeah, like somebody, both his poles had snapped before, like by the first checkpoint. What, those poles or a different brand? Um, I think he was, yeah, he had some super light carbon ones. Oh, gosh. Whereas these aren't the carbon ones. Are they aluminium? So, um, yeah, I did bend. They wanted to get bent going out of Patterdale up Placefell. Um, it got stuck in a rock. And wow. so I did have, like, I did, for the rest of the race, I did have to kind of watch the where bendy I did. Yes, yeah. And then they repaired it for me. As oh, well. that's <laughs> nice. Oh, good. It's good customer so, service. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily go for the lightest. I'd make sure that you've got some robust poles. And yeah. they definitely work for me. Yeah. I think the other bit of kit is on that photo, and it's the... Um, Montaigne uh, Minimus Ultra Stretch Jacket. And I think the reason why this was so good is again, it's just that variation in weather so that you, like we did the first night at, um, when we were going up over High Street and Kissy Pike, so you're on the highest bit of the race, the weather was foul, <laughs> absolutely lashing wind and rain. Um, 
So you need a robust jacket if it's going to be like that. You are out on exposed parts um, and quite high up. So I definitely wouldn't have gone from a, a super light jacket. But this is really like robust and light. I feel like it's got it everything because then I'd, yeah. when I'd have it during the day, it wasn't too bulky. Yeah, uh, best of both worlds. Kind of like, what yeah, is it, like 250 so grams, kind of, that kind of thing? Pardon? It's about 250 grams, that kind of think, thing. Yeah, yeah it's definitely amazing. not. It's, so, and it's scrunched down to nothing when I yeah. had I, um, a 50 <laughs> jacket hanging off my back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so and, that one I'd recommend. Yes. Um, I don't know if I put this on, if it's on the photo, but you might see on some of the photos. Yes, that is in the <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lovely cup. Yes, <laughs> it's really expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people they'll actually buy one of those squishy down cups, won't they? Like a proper squished down cup, uh, but you don't have to buy one. You can't leave a checkpoint with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in those squishy ones. Like I, no, I go for a tough plastic one. Marcus or somebody showed me the trick of cutting the handle a bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> So it hooks over my pack. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and for Northern Traverse, I carried a um, 50 milliliter bottle, which had mountain fuel in. Uh -huh. And in lakes and most of the Yorkshire Dales, I could just pick up water using the cup. Yes. Um, so that just saves weight on your pack. For the second half, so once I left Richmond, you're, you've got a very low part and then you've got the North York Moors and there's not much water to pick up there yeah so I think I might have because it was hot as well I might have carried a second bottle for the second half and I put my cup away yeah <laughs> it's for cups of tea after that yeah <laughs> brilliant and um and just looking at that um one um some guy who's watching live now he has just noticed that you have a beer barn in that picture with you with the the blue jacket on um so the bib is presumably your race number um he says yeah. was having to wear a bib all the time annoying because presumably like does that interfere with the breathability of the jacket and stuff like that i didn't find it annoying i think i think some people had raised that because there was quite a bit in the race rules about um i think people have been trying to yeah claim that they didn't have to wear it if it was really wet or something like that i mean it was absolutely fine the only problem that I had was on the last checkpoint I somehow misplaced my beer but it got into somebody else's bag um, <laughs> oh a handy hanky I'll just put this in my bag <laughs> oh it's got a number on it <laughs> Joe Faulkner was dealing with me at the checkpoint I don't think he was impressed but oh, you know yeah. <laughs> I'd not had a sleep for three days, so my bagman skills had <laughs> left me. Um, so that was the only. So that's my tip. They're absolutely fine, but make sure you keep hold of them at checkpoints when you take them off to put layers on. Yes. <laughs> because I don't know. I probably couldn't really have set off unless Joe managed to find it for yeah. me. Thank God. After <laughs> did he do that? He's amazing, isn't he? Not only a great um, mountain leader and navigator, but also a good bib locator. Well done, Joe. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have got disqualified at like 160 miles. Oh, that would have been terrifying. Um, we've got a lot of love for your cup on the live chat here. Um, <laughs> Nigel Barnett says that he has an old dented metal mug that he uses. So, yeah, lots of love for the, love for the proper, proper old school mugs there. 
Yeah, you don't always need fancy kit. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and talking of drinking, let's chat about your food because I've got a wonderful picture here of all of this food laid out, which basically you described <laughs> to me earlier as a children's party. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Can you tell us more about what kind of foods you took with you <laughs> for the Northern Traverse? Yeah, well, again, you have this problem that you have, like, it could be food could be sat in your drop bag for three days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I also had no idea what I needed and what I, how much I'd want. I mean, I definitely didn't eat all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still trying to get across the country, I think, if I had. But the reason why there's quite a lot is um, I was just, like, I'd done so much training by this point I'd basically trained for sort of eight months and I just was getting a little bit sick of some of the bars and things that I'd been using for that length of time so I was trying to give myself some variety and choice and I'm so glad I did because um, I'd been using these banana trek flapjacky bars for loads of my training and I'd like I opened one on Northern Traverse at the, near the start and I was just like no I can't stand, yeah, can't stand that anymore <laughs> So, yeah, this food was mostly, well, they were spread out in my drop bags um, and I was carrying enough in between checkpoints and then a bit left over. Um, I did struggle with food on Northern Traverse just because it was very varied what was on offer at the checkpoints. And some of the checkpoints didn't have vegan food, which I'd been like I had expected a bit like being told that there would be vegan food but there wasn't really at some of them so oh, that's rubbish isn't it yeah I'm sure that will change because um yeah. Jake was very nice about that after when I did oh, mention. Um, <laughs> so I got to like um Kirby Stephen which is about 90 miles in I think and like literally all there was was a bowl of cornflakes and some soy milk that oh. was then. and so but by this point like the food like I, there is in some of the tubs on that picture I had done some um pasta I think with tomato sauce but it had been like in a bag for two days at this point I that. <laughs> so I didn't really fancy that yeah uh, and they should have so, ordered like, you some kind of takeaway like <laughs> uber eats or something faffing around with that I was ready to get out yeah um, they sh you should have called that through half an hour prior right I need uh vegetable noodles and uh rice with barbecue sauce please <laughs> so yeah I kind of so I was glad I did have this much food um and uh, also there is it looks like a kid's part but there is some savory things there so <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna make it big on screen I'm just gonna read out just for the benefit of the podcast people so there's Oasis there's Coke there's sausage rolls presumably vegan sausage rolls yeah, yeah it's all vegan. <laughs> there's um a tub of fruity jelly stuff there's biscuits there's cheesy cheddars there's little pastries hula yeah. hoops um some flapjack malt loaf outpro yogurt kids party rings I didn't know they were vegan that's good isn't it um, I think every there's... race they're like my go-to race food and oh. I get on this because no matter Lovely. what my stomach's like I always just happy to eat party food <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some almond nuts there's some um, uh, dolly mixture little dolly mixture stuff there's I there's, think there's M&M's and Skittles um, yeah and... Starburst they're oh, vegan Starburst. and I 
I make markers unwrap them all. Oh, <laughs> so they're not Dolly mixture. They're actually pre-unwrapped Unwrapped Starburst Starburst. that poor Marcus has had to slave labour over. And then there's some mountain fuel packets and then the, the various Trek bars and some orange juice. And then presumably that Tupperware is full of the two-day-old <laughs> pasta with tomato sauce on. Yeah, it's probably hours old on this photo. But... Yes get eaten much yeah oh, yeah it's a so good spread it's a good spread we've got a, yeah. a, a fan we've got a fan on the live chat for the party rings um jess says i am a sucker for party rings so you, you're not alone here jet again <laughs> yeah they're my little faithful treat because i don't have them in training so the sweets and party rings and um yeah those i wouldn't have in training so they made quite a nice little <laughs> treat yeah. so there was one point when I don't know I I was coming I was on the last climb before Patterdale so coming out of um, Grasmere and I wrecked one side and always gone one side on the coast to coast route but I, then I saw that there were a couple of racers who I think were doing the Lakes Traverse going up the other side which was a bit steeper but it actually looked a bit shorter but I think I don't know it kind of mentally affected me that I I was I'd wrecked the wrong bit and so I started going uh, I checked on the map and then started going up with them and I just felt really tired which is fair enough I'd probably done well, like 40 miles in the late district I don't know how long it was a little, little bit tired but, <laughs> most, most people wouldn't be but <laughs> But there, you kind of know that the highest point is the climb up to Kidsey Pike. And I was like, having a bit of like a sulk that, oh God, I'm really tired and I've got a long way to go. And I just felt like, oh. So I, I sat on a rock. I don't normally sit down, but I just sat on a rock. I was like, right, you need to eat. So I got out some party rings. That was fine. I skipped on. Party. <laughs> Get the party rooms. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of love for your food, as I said. So um, Jess has added, um, got to love the accidentally vegan sweets. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to put that back on the thing. Yep, there we go. It's up on the screen. Um, John Gardner says, I like Jen's food photos. Um, basically, pack what you love to eat at a party um, and don't use expensive gross gels. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's no gels on those. Yes, yeah, no gels in there. Um, Nigel Barnett says uh, um, M&M's, lovely. Or, um, no, these were Skittles. Skittle, oh, Skittles, Nigel, Skittles. Um, yeah, you need that fruity explosion. <laughs> yeah, taste the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> Graham Van says, um, a little bit of what you like, and if it puts a smile on your face, all the better. And then um, Paul Hamilton loves the cinnamon swirls. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they so, were really good, and yeah. I think actually my favourite thing on there, which I think you said as malt loaf, but it's actually yeah, right in the middle. It's actually banana loaf. Oh, um, yeah, not malt loaf. I did think it looked light. One, and I'd accident. And normally I'll take the mini bars, but I accidentally bought the loaf, which I was really annoyed about. So I cut it into slices. But for me, that was like I wish I'd taken three of those because <gasps> yeah, it. It was really nice, not too sweet. It wasn't, I mean, it was a bit chewy, but it was fine. So that was probably my favourite thing yeah. on that. And it's a bit and moist, then, isn't it? Like, because yeah. I know you've got all your cheesy cheddars and your party rings, but whenever I've done really long stuff, like beyond about 12 hours, you need really moist stuff like your yogurts and um, 
and your pizza and yeah they were nice that's like kind of vegan custard I think yeah 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 I think it was like I think that what I would do differently would be take some kind of dehydrated camp meals um, that I could then get into the checkpoint, put the hot water in and then eat those while I was there or while I was walking out. So that would be my main difference is taking kind of proper meals. But maybe that was more just because um, I didn't have such a great selection being vegan at the checkpoints yes yeah that's true that's a really good idea because they're so light as and, well and they would have lasted for three days unlike my tomato yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yes that would have been brilliant and so so you at your party rings you've got to the finish and you uh, there's a picture of you at the finish here which is lovely holding a trophy because congratulations you were second lady woo Ooh. That's amazing. Um, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, again, it's, I love these races where you have no idea what's going to happen. This one, I had no idea what day I was going to finish on. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. <laughs> and I, I just had such a good time. It was really great. I um, And then when I left the, so I was kind of, I felt like quite comfortably second from um, fairly early on or from Shap. And then I um, left the last checkpoint at the Lion Inn in the freezing cold frosty morning. And you've only got maybe like 30 miles till the finish. So it just felt like a training run. Yes, it was going to take a while, but we could do it. That's fine. I knew Marcus was going to come and meet me. I'd had a brilliant time. So I set off. And I was just so slow. I think with the cold and, well, and the fact I'd done 160 miles. <laughs> a little factor. <laughs> so, and I, when I was leaving, I think I'd seen Third Lady coming in. And I kind of, she'd been sleeping for hours and it just hadn't really bothered me. And so, but when the sun came up, I got to kind of the end of, there's a horrible road section out of, or a few roads before you start going down into the last like Glaisdale. And it was at that point that I think I text Marcus because we were trying to work out when he needed to set off to come. And he was like, careful, second, the third lady is like just behind you. And I could see this <gasps> behind me. Oh no. So I suddenly started running. <laughs> and I um yeah, and then it, they were catching up, and I was just like, oh, I think I text Marcus. I might have put it in my blog, like, actually, I can't be bothered with this. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is my kind of default if I think I'm not going to do that, like, win, you know, be good at something. And, okay, well, I didn't want to do that anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it was, actually, it was a bloke that had come up past me, and he was like, well, she's, she's set off, which was kind of enough for me to, to perk me up. And then I managed to run. I mean, in my head, I was sprinting. I think I was doing like a 13, 14 minute miling. But I managed to run 20 miles because I felt like she was chasing me. Yes. And um, it wasn't until I got to the last few miles that I kind of could relax a bit. I knew that I had second. Um, and I had a couple of blokes come past me just before I got to where I could meet Marcus. And then you've just got a little bit by the coast. And so at that point, I'd lost a few places overall, but I was 10. Wow. So kind of just, okay, well, you're going to be second. Keep 
you want to be in the top 10, so let's just go. And it was, it was hard because I think my body had been running on adrenaline for those 20 miles and that had worn out. I'd had like a, one little handful of Starburst. For the whole <laughs> and one party ring. <laughs> come on, come on. I think, I think that party ring by that point. Oh, <laughs> error. That's and it, then, that'll be it. And it's really hot and I was running out of water so yeah it was really grinding it out for the last I think it's about 5k that you've got from um when you get actually get to the coast which like psychologically woohoo I've got it and I just remember that being really slow obviously but your body's kind of just yeah kind of like I've done my bit now yeah yeah remember I had my poles and I had Marcus who was like chirpy and trying to film? <laughs> You're like, no, like, no cameras, no cameras, no, no media. Like, <laughs> women, like, just out for a little walk, and on this really narrow bit, like taking ages, and I just couldn't even speak. I was like, oh, and, <laughs> and they were like, like, oh, we better get out of the way of this lunatic. <laughs> yeah. And by this point, I must admit, I didn't change my clothes the whole way, so I did smell a bit. And then <laughs> they could smell you coming. <laughs> I came past them like as fast as I could hobble, and I could just hear them going, "What's wrong with her? Is she fallen? <laughs> Is yeah. she ill?" <laughs> oh yeah. I must admit, you know, on an ultra when you've been running for ages, and then you come to some kind of honey pot site, and people are just milling around in jeans and t-shirts. They all smell so nice, don't they? When you go past, you've got this like whiff of lovely washing, and you just think, oh, I must smell horrendous near them. Oh, I knew that I smelled bad. Like I had in my drop bags, I had spare clothes. I, I mean, I was very because of the feet on the spine challenger. I was very strict. Uh, sorting out my feet at every checkpoint I'd wash them dry them put clean socks on um and be on my way but I didn't change any of my other clothes yeah yeah <laughs> that's no time there's no time you so you um, I correct me if I'm wrong um but did you you did 78 hours and 37 minutes for that race yeah I can't yeah. remember actually yeah yeah so, so something around that time um and just before the last question I just want to just ask you about the hallucinations that you experienced because you said they were quite amusing um and I just wondered what they were and if you have any advice for anybody um who uh, goes through this kind of thing on the northern well, it traverse. feels like it's so individual like I know that I don't get them on the first night so for me it's when I'm going into a second night particularly because it's much worse when it gets dark I remember going into the checkpoint at Kirby Stephen which was about midday on the second day and I felt like there was this car rolling backwards which obviously it wasn't but that was kind of my only little daylight one but yeah going into the second night I had it was getting dark when I got to Reef and then I only had I think it's about 12 miles to Richmond that took me about six hours <laughs> I did get lost in a field at one point, and I was so tired I couldn't remember why I was in a field. Like I was literally just looking at my race, <laughs> trying okay. to work out what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> but the hallucinations, yeah, were really bad. Like it started off just bouncing shapes off the limestone walls. So I saw faces, and I saw like I remember vividly seeing this like Jack in the Box that was a cat there, and then I got out of reef and onto this field and it was really bright clear night and all the stars just felt like they were around me wow and you just remember like 
you know they're hallucinations, but you kind of like they're kind of getting in the way. I'm like stars, just yeah. stars. <laughs> and I remember telling, I think it was Susie that one, and yeah, I got into Renner's world with even a photo, like an illustration of me on this field, with all surrounded these stars. by stars. Oh, brilliant! And then the third night, yeah, we had to go along this old railway line to get to the last checkpoint, and I was really hallucinating by then. It was just people pouring onto the train line and all these um shape like big faces and then i also thought i'd hallucinated this um whole plane and like really low flying plane and i'd like almost dodged out the way but when i got to the checkpoint that was actually real it probably wasn't that close to yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> yeah really jumbo jet going over <laughs> i think like i've never i've always known that i'm hallucinating mm -hmm. so i kind of just ride it out and i also find that like as soon as you turn the head torch it goes mm. and i find that if if i if my head touch is too far in the distance, like if I'm looking too far up, I'll hallucinate or at my feet. But if I find this kind of middle range, I almost block them out of it. So it is really just music on, head in that position. Sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you have a good attitude towards them. Like it's quite the kind of think it's entertaining rather than. Yes, they are entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so. So that's the race, um, and so I just, yeah, just to kind of round it up a bit, because um, we're nearly an hour in, I'm conscious of your time tonight, um, I just wanted to ask you um, what is coming up next for you? Like, I know at the moment you've been helping, you just recently helped Damien Hall, um, along with Marcus, doing the Pennine Way FKT, um, and I saw that you were picking up litter on the way as well. Um, and Guy wanted me to ask you um, uh, what you thought about this just this recent kind of phenomenon in a way of people just going to the Peak District and just dropping the litter everywhere and, and you guys have been picking it up. Um, so have you got any any thoughts or, or ranting about um, that? I think like it is hard because I grew up in the Peak District. I live in such a beautiful place. Um, but then at the same time, I kind of, it's also I know how important like more now than ever of people getting out into these places and so I don't begrudge people visiting the Peak District and the fact that it's busy like it's great seeing families out here and it does feel like they're people that haven't seen it before um, and are new but yeah it's meant that we've got a huge problem with rubbish parking that's blocking vehicles but also the litter so I have been going up um, litter picking curb at edge quite regularly and it seems like there's a real momentum here with people locals um, so I've got some litter pickers and um, was hoping to arrange some more kind of organized things there's a couple of um, Instagram accounts that have popped up about the litter in the Peak District and yeah it just seems to be a bit of energy and momentum now so hopefully that'd be good that was really good I mean it was amazing watching Damien picking up later on all his supporters were. I, I only was with him for bits on the last day, so I can't take much credit because I didn't do his race support before then. Um, but I think it was also really good just to highlight it because it feels quite hopeless at times. Like 
you know, I'll go and miss a pick, I'll get bags, and then you go back a week later and it's all the same. Yeah. With litter again. Yeah. Uh, so, but then there's part of, and you just think, well, why did I bother? But I know that it yeah. is part of it. And I think if it is a clean area to start with, less litter will will accumulate. Yeah, do you I think? Hope so. Yeah. And I just like I have put posts on Instagram showing some of the litter, and but you do then just get people that are obviously not going to litter like ranting about it and I feel yeah. like actually that's not a good use of our time like what can we do to yeah help clear up the areas to encourage people to um come out here and look after it because I think the education is a key it's the same with like a massive problem with camping and I wild camp and I from a very early age was taught how to make sure that I didn't have an impact on where I was camping and I wouldn't dream of leaving anything. So I think it's really just about that education. And Definitely. clearly people love, like they, they get something from being out here and they love the area. So it's just making sure that that also translates into looking after it for others. So yeah. I think the type of people that do that think that someone is paid to go around and clean up. Like, you know, like in yeah. a building or in a pub or in a restaurant. Or in the public parks in Sheffield, yeah. which is our yeah. closest city. So you see, like, how awful it looks after a really nice sunny day. Everyone's just left everything on there. But it will get cleared up. Whereas, yeah, yeah it yeah. just won't unless we do it. Mm. So Yeah, it's just how to get that message across to the right people without it coming across like we're slapping them on the wrist kind of thing. And, yeah. So yeah, but I think it's great. Like we can just be the heroes in the meantime, can't we? Going and picking up litter, <laughs> putting big piles on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's getting my upper body strength because I'm having to carry it then three miles to the yeah. <laughs> and all that bending down, picking up, it must be good core, core training. Yeah, a new workout. Good core. <laughs> well, I think it's brilliant. Um, and um, so you have started uh, doing coaching now, um, and you're just doing your yoga teaching course as well for yoga classes. Um, just tell us a little bit about this before you go, and I'll put the um, the website up on the screen. So because you and Marcus do the coaching together, so I've got the website just here. Yeah. So it was kind of always the plan. This was. The long-term goal, like if somebody asked me what my dream job would be, it would be organizing, running a yoga retreat. So it was kind of like, I think that was always in my mind. And then it gets to the point where you just have to follow your dreams, don't you? And I think, and so it was always a plan to do that in the future. And I, it was more just taking that plunge. But with lockdown and the crazy year that we've had, and then I was made redundant, um, it just all fitted in perfectly to just go for it. Um, so I'm having a great time because now my hobbies have become my full-time job. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, at the moment I'm um, doing online coaching, which I absolutely love, especially because I've got so many female runners, not just ultra runners, just women that are getting out there. Um, so that's, yeah, perfect, absolutely perfect. And... I will be doing my exams, um, uh, qualify as a yoga teacher this weekend, and then I have lots of exciting plans of how we put the running and the yoga together um, for days and weekends, and yeah, lots going on. Awesome. I hope lockdown eases enough for you to do them, but maybe the small groups can still go ahead quite soon as well. That's looking really hopeful, isn't it? Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, because I've got 
at least yeah you could do that like the online coaching i suppose uh, just like fill the void if, if there's you know if there's a resurgence and things like that um but that sounds fantastic um uh you'll have to keep us posted everybody follow jen on um instagram what's your instagram handle how can we find yeah, you just jen scottney so lowercase jen scottney yeah and what about sherlock the beagle <laughs> yeah, he's more importantly just Sherlock the Beagle. Oh, Sherlock the Beagle one. Yeah, I'm not sure. There are a few other Sherlock's. <laughs> really, Sherlock? Don't follow Sherlock the Beagle. Not one, everyone. That's the wrong Sherlock. <laughs> and have you got any kind of uh, like bucket list races that you want to get in for 2021 or anything like that? Are you going to go for the spine again or like the spine challenger again or the um, Northern yeah. Traverse? Would you ever do the full spine? Well. For me, um, although I have done these long races, I've also had to kind of juggle it with having been quite ill. Um, and it was always a bit of a mystery illness that the doctors just couldn't find anything wrong. So I thought it might be stress related with my hours. And that's one of the reasons why I cut back. But actually, another amazing thing in lockdown is I think we found the reason. Um, uh-huh. And so I've been having B12 injections. And within a few injections that made a huge difference so I think it was a b12 deficiency all those years that I got oh, misdiagnosed. No. that's but, quite that's quite common for people who follow a vegan diet isn't it to miss out yeah, on the b12 actually, I was ill before I was vegan so mm. mine is the diet related I think it's autoimmune related so I it's kind of a bit unknown like I I'm obviously recovering but I also kind of have I suppose a bit more respect for my body than I used to in terms of I'm not invincible and I these long races are going to be there I don't have to cram them all in so at the moment for me it's spine challenger and then it really depends because that's just fun I did that even when I'm in email <laughs> <laughs> 100 miles it's just fun <laughs> I love it so much and you kind of just know it's only one weekend so that's all right um and then it's really just see how my body is with that how it responds to the training this year for that um I have so many plans but it's just yeah seeing what I'm what my body allows me to do um but definitely going in the right direction compared to where I was at the start of the year so really really positive yeah oh that's brilliant news i'm so glad you've sorted that out um that's fantastic um well thank you so much i just want to say thank you for um spending so much time with us here tonight i think that's been such a useful chat about the northern traverse and how people can train what kit to take and what what food and and uh what what kind of party rings that they might want to buy <laughs> it's such a fun race there is nothing better than going across the country through three national parks uh, it's just fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Awesome. Um, yeah, it sounds like an absolutely fantastic race. Um, and everybody's really enjoyed the chat tonight. I'm just going to read out a few comments um, from people. So Jess says uh, she agrees with the mini saurine loaves. Um, she says normal mock loaf isn't vegan, but the mini flavoured loaves are. So she has been enjoying that tip from you. Um, and John Gardner says, I cannot imagine the courage it takes to more, run more than three days in a row in the cold, wet and sleep deprived and then pushing the last 20 miles. So well done there. <laughs> 
Um, and Guy is offering to give you a hand with the litter picking. Um, he oh, lives in the kind of Macclesfield area, so um, I'm sure he can pop out that side. Um, Nigel Barnett's agreeing with you here about the B12 injections. He has them every eight weeks because of his deficiency. Um, and Paul Hamilton says, thanks, Jen. Brilliant interview. And um, Guy said, um, thanks, Jen. What a delight. So mm -hmm. I, think, I think we can say you've been a hit. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's been great to speak to you. Thank you. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. And if you appreciate listening and all the information that I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails. Make a difference. Relish a great work-life balance. Enjoy generous benefits and competitive pay. Go home each night feeling fulfilled by your work. Work for an employer of choice. Work for Blue Ridge Hospice. We're always looking to hire compassionate RNs, CNAs, or anyone interested in office or thrift shop work. We've been your not-for-profit community hospice since 1981. Visit our website for more information or to apply today at blueridgehospice.org. That's blueridgehospice.org. Blue Ridge Hospice is an equal opportunity employer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 